Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bible Conversations. We have a, a special guest with us here today, but first, I'd like to introduce to you the, the regulars. I'm Chris Carrillo, and we have Dylan Bruce with us. Hello. As well as Daniel Lang. Hey there. Our special guest is actually the mayor of Wiley, Texas, as well as a uh, preacher and uh, find out a real estate agent, a jack of many trades. His name is Eric Hogue. Hello, everyone. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So, Eric, the, the reason that we asked you here is there was some, I guess for lack of a better word, unrest uh, down at uh, City Hall, and it, it all started with an email. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, you know, if you, you look at uh, our city council meetings and how they're run, and, and I assume most cities in Texas and around the country are the same way, we always uh, begin our meeting with a call to order, a uh, checking of who all the is there to our council members, and then we have an invocation and the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we get into the business of our city. And over the years, we have had different people of all different faiths, male and female, who have led the invocation at the city council meetings. But uh, because of my beliefs and because of uh, uh, what I personally stand for and based on what the scriptures say, if I've got to pick somebody at the last minute to lead the invocation, I'm going to pick a, a man. And... Uh, I had gotten an email from one of our council members and he had a group that was coming. He had sent it to me on a Thursday afternoon. Now, keep in mind, everything you put on your city email is open for public record. It's an option that's available that the citizens can look at if they choose to. And so he sent this to me on a Thursday afternoon, um, to be quite honest, to be just totally with all that was going on that week. I had been in the hospital. I had kidney stones and it took five days for the stones to pass. And so nice. on that Thursday, when he sent the email was about the time that the stones had passed and I started feeling almost back to normal, but I had five days of not having worked. And like you said, you know, between being a real estate agent and working with a small congregation, like I do here at Cottonwood and then volunteering my time as the mayor, uh, even though that really turns out to be almost a full-time job, it kind of, you're, you're behind the eight ball trying to catch up. So on Sunday afternoon, he sends the email again and says, Mayor, can we do this? Well, at 7.03 Sunday night, I said, absolutely. Here's my thing. I just would ask that a guy do it, you know, based on a couple of scriptures of why I believe that way. I know not everybody does, but you know, that's just if, if, you know, that's a request from me. Well, at 10.01, three hours later, less than three hours later, an open records request came in from a citizen wanting to know uh, if there'd been any emails between me and a city council member. Now, the thing about that is, for lack of a better word, in the, in the political world that we live in today, that's politics. That's somebody trying to find something and mm -hmm. knew that they would find something. And so the email then became out uh, public on a blog and a couple of citizens ended up contacting the news uh, stations. And the next thing I know, I'm getting calls from multiple news stations wanting to know uh, about this email. 
And so that's how this all got started. Wow. That, um... Now, here's the interesting thing about that is I've been the mayor for 12 years. I was on the city council seven years before that. I have never hidden my faith. I have never hidden the fact that I'm a member of the church. I've never hidden the fact that I have worked with congregations throughout all these years and that there are certain things that I can't in good conscience approve or support. And so that's not been a secret. The council members know all that. Uh, so it's not like this would have been a shock to any council member requesting something like that from me. Yeah. So real quick, you, uh, you kind of mentioned as you were discussing all of that, and that, that seems to have spiraled uh, very quickly into something that was not at all intended. Um, what are some of those verses that you were uh, referencing? I was referencing First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, 34 and 35, and then Second Timothy chapter 2. And, you know, I, I will tell you, right after the first news story broke, I believe it was on Channel 5, I got a call from a minister. He was a retired minister in Fort Worth. And he said to me, now, I, you know, I'm a retired minister in, in, the, in the church. And he said, brother, I got to tell you, I think those verses we're talking about uh, in a worship service. And I said to him, you know, sir, I, I don't disagree with you at all. They are talking about, in my, from what I can study and, and find about them, they're talking about when Paul is talking about in a worship service. I said, but when are you not a Christian? When are you not supposed to uphold what the Bible teaches? I said, so imagine, if you would, that on Sunday I'm preaching uh, about those two verses. And on Tuesday you show up at a council meeting, and I call on somebody, a lady, to lead the invocation what does that make me look like in my opinion it makes me look like a hypocrite and so and the reason why is people are always watching they're always watching to see i can't tell you how many times i've been on trips with other cities and other council members from those cities that i knew they were a member of the church and we go out to a reception and the alcohol is freely flowing and i'm drinking my diet coke for a glass of water and they're not. And so what does that do to their, their reputation? What does that do to their, their example that they're supposed to be setting? What does that do based on what Matthew 5, 14 talks about is letting our light so shine to the world? And so when I explained that to him, I said, now let me ask you a question. Let's say that you're a minister. You're a member of the church, and you decide that you want to run for mayor of the town. You're already known for being a minister in the church. You're already known for being a member of the church of Christ. And you see me and my wife walk in. You know that we're very active in that congregation that you happen to preach in. You know that I like to teach the high school class. You like to teach uh, the nursery. That uh, anytime there's anything that needs to be done, we both volunteer. You look out and at the last minute you're told no one showed up to leave the invocation and you got to pick somebody. Are you going to pick me or are you going to pick my wife, Tammy? He said, well, I'm going to pick you. And then he stopped talking. He said, I get your point. I understand what you're saying. And so that was a positive call. Uh, the calls that followed after that were pretty nasty. Uh, I've been called just about everything that you can be called. Uh, words that I didn't even know existed. Uh, very profane words. Um, I have had death threats, uh, how they're going to come over and take me out. Uh, those types of things. Because what happened is people got on this bandwagon, honestly, partly because of the, the blog that was out there and the media, who made it sound like I was uh, denying women their rights. 
that I was a male chauvinist pig. And, uh, and that caused uh, the backlash that I really got. Now, the thing that was interesting was watching some of the news stories the next morning uh, and seeing people that uh, I've always thought they were pretty good reporters and they were uh, giving their opinion based on what they think the Bible says, not what the Bible says, mm. but based on what they think the Bible says. Yeah. And uh, so that was also very interesting to, to see some of that as well. Yeah. No, so, I know uh, we're a, you know, we're a Bible conversation podcast, Eric, and we'd love to talk about the scriptures, but I, I still interested a little bit in that moment that transpired between, you know, before and then how it all happened to this moment. You know, you said that you were uh, in this recovery phase and then someone called and, you know, was seeking to know yeah. what kind email. of email was between email. what, what triggered this particular moment in time? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, we go back to the politics part of it. Um, right. We are in the middle of COVID-19. Uh, mm -hmm. And I had decided I was not running for office again. Um, because the mayor's job, like I said, is really a volunteer job. I get a little stipend. I get $400 a month to be the mayor. And that's to pay for my gas and food when I meet with people. Uh, mm -hmm. But I wasn't running for office again. There is a real change in our local governments, as well as our state and federal governments, about... Uh, uh, you know, politics in general, just, you see it a lot at the local level where it's cut taxes, cut taxes, cut taxes. And, uh, and you, you have in a lot of our cities surrounding us, uh, Wiley, Plano, McKinney, Allen, you see, uh, uh, a change coming. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's a change where the, the mindset is we need to cut taxes. And the challenge with that is unlike a Dallas or Fort Worth, uh, if we want a new fire engine that costs a million dollars, the taxpayers with their property taxes have to pay that. So uh, even though we had lowered taxes in Wiley over the last seven years, there's still a, a growing movement. Uh, you have, if you've been a preacher or a mayor, I will tell you this, and I talked to, when I talked to preaching students about this, if you want a job that everybody's going to like you, don't go into politics and don't become a preacher because <laughs> not everybody's going to like what you say or do. Um, and so there was a group that said, we don't want the mayor to be there because we want to have this new mayor uh, that uh, will cut our taxes, but that will be the focus. And that's what he's running on. And I get that. And he's the only one running for that seat. But because of the pandemic, elections could be moved to November. And so the election was first going to continue on to be on May the 2nd. Uh, there was so much backlash that uh, the council decided to move the, the uh election to November. There have been a, a few folks, a couple of folks really, uh, that uh, they were emailing the council saying uh, the mayor needs to go ahead and retire, he needs to go ahead and resign, uh, and we need to get the, the new council in place. Well, the challenge is one of our council seats has a contested race. More than one person is running in that seat. So you literally have to have an election according to uh, Texas law. And because of that, the mayor, even though he's not running against anyone, he can't assume the office until that election happens. He's got to have at least one vote. There has to be an election. And so um, just looking at it from the outside, looking at it from a, a political standpoint, we want to get rid of the old regime. We want to get the new regime in. And uh, if I was uh, 
a conspiracy theorist, I'd say that's what the mindset of the email was about. They knew what my opinion would be. They knew what I would say, and they wanted to have that happen. Yep. So in essence, they, they what you're saying is they were just kind of looking for dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll ask the, uh, I guess the next question and then uh, hand it over. I think Dylan's got at least a couple. Um, you know, one of the things that, that ends up happening with conversations such as this of, uh, you know, we, we don't want women to be leading prayers specifically, right? And, you know, I, I think of Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So the idea that our body is spiritual worship means that, as you said, we are Christians all the time and we are worshiping all the time. And so what I kind of want to ask next is if that's the case, well, do you believe that women aren't allowed to pray because they're inferior to men or do you believe it because it's what we're told from God? You know, here, here that's a good question. And I, I'll, I'll answer it this way by giving an example. Uh, my favorite color is red. I don't know why my favorite color is red. It's just my favorite color. I like red. My son, my youngest son, his favorite color is green. Why in the world? I don't know, but it's his color. It's what he wants. It's what he likes. It's his favorite color. I don't know, and I can't tell you why God had the plan that he had, but you know what? He's God, and he gets to come up with the plan, not me. And so I don't think anyone is inferior whatsoever. In fact, if you would look, uh, just at our city government, our longest serving city manager was a lady. And she just retired last year after being the longest serving city manager that I actually voted to hire. Uh, she will tell you, as she did a group of people that uh, reached out and, and wanted to talk about how I was a male chauvinist pig, she reached out to them and said, you are attacking the one guy on the council that is not the male chauvinist pig. I worked in a male-dominated industry in city management, and he is the one who made sure I was paid equal to any man. In fact, half of our staff of directors are female. And so, uh, you know, that was an issue that they tried to, to bring on to me. But getting back to what you talked about in Romans chapter 12, you know, the thing about it is, I don't know why God chose the worship the way that he did the five parts of worship. I, I don't know a lot of things, but I know what the scriptures teach me and I'm going to follow them. You know, if you look in Proverbs 31, look at the lady that's described there. Does she sound like a wallflower? She sounds like a very shrewd businesswoman. She sounds like a lady who's got her family uh, going in the right direction and she is one who is well respected and even her husband has respect because of her uh in my in my own family my wife and i are, are a democracy i mean we we discuss and talk about everything i mean it's uh that's how i believe that it should be but I also know that uh according to the scriptures that uh you know she is supposed to submit to me but then here's the other part that a lot of folks don't get and this is where people cut off the podcast and say, see, you just said that women are supposed to submit to their husbands. It also talks about how the man is supposed to love his wife just as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do for the church? He gave himself for the church. 
That's how much a husband's supposed to love his wife. So in essence, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to be submitting to each other. But when it comes to a worship service, there are very specific things that we are told to do, just like in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, where we see the example of them coming together on the first day of the week to break bread. And Paul preached until midnight. I am afraid if we had folks that uh, had a preacher that preached till midnight, I don't know how many would hang in there with it. But, you know, <laughs> That's uh, so true. <laughs> we'd have a lot more Eutychuses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing about it is, is that's what we're supposed to do. And we have gotten in a place in our world today. And this is where I think Satan has been successful. You know, he's not after the world. He's after us. And, and he has been successful today because he's gotten the Bible thrown out of so many things. Uh, in many classes in, throughout the brotherhood, you will have people, men and women, who raise their hand and say, well, I think I believe, or my opinion is, hey, I'm all for everybody's opinion, but what is God's opinion? That's the one Amen. that matters. Yep. And you go that back is. to those two scriptures, and again, what does he say about how the women are to be in the worship service? In the worship service. So That is spot on, Eric. Um, uh, that is I, – I can't stress how important that point is, that um, the – the raising your hand and say, well, I think, or I believe and, and not saying, well, the Bible says, you know, that is so vitally important. Um, and it it kind of like wraps up this whole thing that we're saying, you know, read the Bible, like you were saying about the the newscasters that are giving their opinion about the Bible, read the Bible. What, What does it say? Um, and so much of this can be solved if we, we read, not just to read, but we read to understand, um, scripture. So that kind of leads into my next question for you. Um, like you said, Satan's got the world today where we're throwing scripture out of, out of everything and using opinions. Um, but this is almost a, a problem more in the world than, than it is within the church. I think many people within the church understand God's commands for worship. But um, like you're saying, it's once, once the newscasters get a hold of this, once a blog gets a hold of this, then, then people in the world just go crazy. Right. Um, so here's my question. How do we shift the, the thought process of, oh, well, um, like the Bible doesn't say men and women are equal. How, how, do we, how do we tell the world about the, our understanding of Scripture without coming across like a male chauvinist pig? You know, how do we, how do we express what the commands are in Scripture without coming across the wrong way? Well, I'll I go back to even my city manager in the email that she wrote to this Democratic group that was going to protest. She said, you know, for 12 years, he's been my mayor. For seven years, I was on, I was the assistant city manager with him as a, a council member. She said, you know, we had a lot of respectful disagreements. And she said, but I will stress the word respectful. And then she went on to say, the mayor lives his faith. And you can agree with it or don't agree with it. He doesn't try to push you on it, but he also does not allow himself to be swayed or changed just because someone walks into the room. Mm -hmm. You know, Dylan, to answer your question, the real problem is this, I think, is that when I say the words to you, come on, guys, let's go to church. What do you think of? You're going to a worship service. Mm -hmm. We have gotten to where we have been so influenced by denominationalism that we think that going to church, so to speak, or our Christianity is on Sunday morning from 9.30 to 11.30. 
and that we're in a Bible class and a worship service, and then we go back to our regular lives. What I've always believed and what I've always tried to promote with the classes that I've taught, whether it's high school kids or whether it's adults, is Christianity is what should be in our DNA. It should be what we are every day. We shouldn't have to tell people, I'm a member of the Church of Christ. Our examples should set that. Our life and how we live it should show that. And these guys, going back, the council knew that because they knew me because they worked with me for so long. Shouldn't have been a surprise to them. The rest of the world is, I mean, honestly, this is is what Satan likes, the turmoil that it caused. I had I had people who call and say you just need to recant. That's all you need to do. Just say that you were wrong. I can't do that because then I'm going against everything I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. it'd been easier for me. <laughs> but then what do I what do I really what example am I setting for my family? What example am I setting for the congregation where I worship? What example am I setting for others who know that I'm a member of the body of Christ? Yeah, then it's just like what you said at the beginning. Then you just become a hypocrite. Absolutely. Um, so. absolutely it's really sad that for some people the the easiest thing to do is be a hypocrite and say oh well i didn't really mean what i said before even though yeah they really meant it they're just saying they didn't mean it to get people off their back um, right. the, the irony of that is it might be easier now but when we pass from this life it most certainly will not absolutely. and you know we we as christians we have to take the eternal approach and the eternal approach is following God's commands and, and knowing what he wants and following what he does, no matter how difficult or tough it may be at the present time. And, you know, we, we've been promised that we will be persecuted in this life if we follow Christ. So it shouldn't come as a surprise when that happens. And we, we can't be like the, uh, the, the weeds that grow up and, you know, the, the fruit that grows up and surrounded by weeds and is choked by the cares of this life. We, we've got to be in good soil and we've got to grow and be strong and not let anything dissuade us. Um, Dan, is there anything that, that you wanted to ask? Well, I, I, I really appreciate some of your um, answers, Eric. You know, you talked about how in response to that question, isn't this a a, a church service, First Corinthians 11, and it certainly goes through those five acts of worship. Certainly has, you know, Paul talks about that first day of the week, taking up a collection. And, and so I believe, you know, those chapters are no doubt are talking about that first day of the week assembly, and that's the context. But like you said, you know, um, when am I not a Christian? You know, uh, is it only when I'm in the midst of a 50? Is it only in the midst when I'm in the midst of 40? What about 10? What about five? Uh, and what about Monday? You know, when I when I pray, or I, I study my Bible, or what about Tuesday? It does you know? <laughs> when does that cease? When does when does that end? Obviously, we we go to worship like Abraham did. There's a time we set apart, but uh, is that limited only to that first day of the week? Is that our only holy time that we have, or and and only when we're in the midst of the the, the congregation? Is that the only holy sacred time we have to worship and and so i think your point there when am i not a christian is very uh applicable and relevant but you know sometimes you do hear people say well uh okay but that really was only part of that culture that society you know that was a different time i i I imagine eric you probably heard that response a few times do you have any thoughts on that 
Yeah, and I did I did hear that that you know those were two thousand years ago. Those were different times, you know. And I had the people also reach back and say, "Well, do you sell your daughter into slavery, and are you going to stone your son?" Referencing the Old Testament, mm. and I basically took that as you know you all don't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, so you just have to take that for what it is. People who mm-hmm. just don't know. As far as the folks who say, "Yeah, that's how it was back in the old days," and all, okay. So that is a problem, Dan, to answer your question that I believe that we've fallen trapped into in today's world. For example, um, how do you become a Christian? Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. But in recent years within the Church of Christ, I have known congregations who say, well, you know, I think their, their baptism may have been okay. We just need to accept it, even if they come out of the denominational world we have gotten to where we compromise so much. And as far as uh, is baptism still essential for salvation? Well, I believe it is, mm-hmm. but that's what was taught in the old, in the new Testament. So is the things in the new Testament still applicable today? And I'll tell you, I'll give you a prime example. Mark chapter five, starting in verse 25, the woman who had the hemorrhage for 12 years, y'all know the story. Mm-hmm. She looked in the crowd and she knew what she needed to do was to touch the Lord. If she could just, she had enough faith that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she would be healed. And, and she did. And immediately she was healed. And what did Jesus say? Who touched me? Who touched my garments? And of course the disciples are going, what do you mean who touched your garments? There's a crowd all over you. How can you say that? New power had gone out of him. But here's the thing back in that day, Back in that day, a woman was not to touch a man in public at all. And she wasn't even supposed to talk to a man in public at all. But here was a woman who did. Jesus looks around. He finds her. She bows. She admits that she did it. And what did he say? Your faith has made you well. He knew that even though that was a custom back then, how did he treat the lady? He talked to her. She talked back to him even though that was the custom to not talk, not to touch. Jesus didn't follow that custom, so to speak. He talked to the woman. And so you can talk about customs all day long, which that's what that was, not touching, not talking. But you can't change what Paul says. Even if you look at some of what Paul says in the scriptures, especially in 1 Corinthians, sometimes he'll talk about, this is my opinion. Well, he didn't say that in... First Corinthians chapter 14, he didn't say that in First Timothy chapter 2. He said, here's how it is. And so, you know, I know we have some challenges even in the church today. I got, I got emails and letters from members of the church who told me I was wrong, that women can lead singing, women can wait on the table, women can preach. That's how much the church has changed. Mm. So those are the challenges that we're facing in the church. And we are compromising because we're afraid someone will be offended by what we say. Yeah, I think you bring up a couple of really valid points, specifically with regards to the idea of customs and traditions. And we cannot get so wrapped up in our own customs and traditions that we refuse to see what God has commanded us to do. And that's it. It's a really difficult thing to do. You know, I, I think... I think Satan has been very active and very busy in trying to get us as people, as Americans, as people all around the world to 
rely on our own customs and what we believe is right, as opposed to looking at the scriptures and knowing what is right, because it's what God has said is right. Um, right. That's just it's um, a good point there. I've got one more question, and then I'll let uh, Dan and Chris, y'all um, close anything else out that you have. But um, the last question I got for you, Eric, is um, do you think that um, this push that you're talking about um, in the Church of Christ leaning towards more um, women taking leadership roles with the, the serving on the Lord's table, leading singing, leading prayers, um, preaching, do you think that is due to a lack of male leadership, um, due to – the, the man who who should have that responsibility and step up and lead a song, who should step up and preach, um, do you think that's due to the man saying, oh, it's okay, I don't want to do that? Um, what would you think kind of uh, sure. is directing that? Um, I, I don't know how to phrase it. but <laughs> I absolutely believe that's the reason. I'm going to give you a couple examples why. I got to live it this last month, and here's why. I uh, was doing a business transaction with an elder in the church, not my congregation, another congregation in the Metroplex. And I happened to call on the day of the council meeting where there was an assumption that there was going to be a big protest and that uh, a lot of folks were going to come and speak in citizen participation about me. There were four that came, uh, but they expected like hours of people attacking me during citizen participation. That's where a citizen gets to come during the council meeting and talk to the city council about anything and everything. So I, I called him, not for that reason. I called him about the, the business question that I had for him. And before I could barely get a word out, he had to tell me, now, you know, I don't live in town. You know what he was saying? I can't come to the meeting and support you. He was worried. That's what I was about to ask him that I would come and ask for him to stand there in support of me. When the meeting occurred that night, I did have some folks who came and supported me from the Baptist church. In other words, I live in a huge metroplex with many congregations, with many preachers that I do know, and I'm not knocking any of them. Maybe they didn't know it was the meeting that night, but a brother in the, in the church is publicly attacked, not just in his town, but around the Metroplex, not just in the Metroplex, but around the country, and not one preacher, elder, would come to the council meeting just to at least show support. So, yeah, to answer your question, Dylan, uh, the reason why this is occurring is because men aren't stepping up to do the job they're supposed to do. Yeah. That's and so, to be quite honest. Yeah, I think the bottom line is the the void is there, and if the the man is not going to do what God has commanded them and step up and lead their families and their congregations, then the wife, the, the woman is going to say, well, this needs to be done. I'm going to go lead singing myself. Right. Um, and so that's just a, a result of, you know, what happens when we uh, decide we have a better idea than God. You know, it's just like when the Israelites wanted the King, they decided, Oh, well, well we have a better idea than what you've lined out. God, um, and obviously that doesn't work out. So, um, and we know that's nothing new, really. If we go back to the book of Genesis, look at what Adam did, what he was told to do. He didn't, yeah. he did not lead his home, his household. He didn't. Yeah. And I'm not talking about dictatorship. I'm talking about just book, chapter and verse being the example you're supposed to be. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest blessings for me in all this was my youngest son. 
And the reason why is, and he was a little bit more blunt about it. And I'm going to be blunt like he was. He said, Dad, why are you worried about it? They're going to hell for their attitude. He said, why are you worried about those people? They're going the wrong direction. He said, don't let them get you down. You know, he's 24 years old. He was raised pretty good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I appreciate that so much, Eric, because I think what, what Dylan's talking about, is there's a void. Certainly there's a void, but there's a void there because, well, a number of reasons, but I think there's a void there because of fear. There's not a, a courage because now if the men step up and lead and uh, have demonstrated the kind of character I think that you've already demonstrated uh, in, in just in this podcast, they'll be called a bigot. They'll be accused of discrimination. Uh, so many things. And there's, there's got to be a genuine fear there that is hindering, uh, you know, uh, just, just God's people sure. from being who they are supposed to be. Sure, and you want to know what has been the result of that? Today, throughout the world, we have maybe 1.5 million members of the Church of Christ. Mm -hmm. Out of how many billions of people? 1.5 million. So, Dan, Chris, I think that was you that asked, that followed up with that question. The thing about it is, is really, we're, if you go back and you look in Romans chapter 13, just to give you a prime example. Romans chapter 13 talks about how God has appointed the leaders that we have. And, and one night in a class, we were talking about this, and, and uh, there was a certain president that uh, this uh, member was asking about and said, do you think God put that president in place? I said, yeah. And I said, I also think he put Adolf Hitler in his place. And well, why would you think that? Because if the people are not willing to stand up for what's right, God's going to let you have what you want, just like he did in the kingdom of Israel back in the Old Testament, where the ten tribes went away and finally were gone forever. God let them do what they wanted to do. You want these leaders? You got them. You know, there you are. I'll put them in place for you. You know, that's what's happening with the church today. I know what you're saying about fear. I totally get that. But you know what fear really is? Fear is false evidence appearing real, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. We are more fearful of what someone will think than we are fearful of hell. Now, let's just be blunt about it. That's the truth. Yeah. And, and you know, look, I'm an easygoing. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to joke and laugh and have a good time. You know, when it comes to my preaching, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. I'm a positive thinking type preacher. Now, I'd say we don't have lessons on hell and on heaven and why you don't want to go to hell but and you can do that in a positive way but at the same time we've gotten to be in our world where we're afraid that we're going to offend somebody or we're going to turn them off or we're going to get where they don't listen to the word at all well yeah that's what is happening they're not listening to the word at all you know, we got 1.5 million members that should tell you something yeah. yeah and i think that points directly to what the scriptures say themselves that many are going to fall away. Many are going to look for what they want to hear with their itching ears. You know, that the, the gate is narrow that leads to salvation and wide that leads to destruction. And, you know, we we're told that that's what it's going to be. And the, the best that we can do is be Christians ourselves. The best that we can do is teach others the truth. You know, my, one of my favorite sayings is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Absolutely. And, our, our job is simply to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Our job is to proclaim the, 
uh, terrifying nature of what happens if we're not in Christ, if we are not a member of the body of Christ. But ultimately, we can't do anything more than that. We can be Christians ourselves. We can teach how to become a Christian to others, but we cannot do more than that. No. We, can, we can do what we have been given. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate you, you standing by your, your beliefs, standing by the, 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 the word of God. And, um, you know, I think, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, some of the leaders that have been put into place. I think the other lesson that we learned from leaders being put into place is, you know, we realize how bad it is without God and right. that hopefully there is some good that can come out of it. And hopefully there is some change for the better that can come out of it. And, you know, we, we as Christians have to be that change. We have to be at the forefront of that change. And um, so anyway, uh, Dylan, Dan, is there uh, anything that you guys would like to add? No, I'm good. Um, I've asked all my, my questions, Eric, this has been a pleasure talking with you. Um, really good to meet you. I mean, we just met right before we started recording this. Um, uh, always love meeting my brothers, you know, it, it's kind of strange to phrase it that way, but you know, uh, we've been brothers for a long time, but just now getting to meet you and it's been a pleasure, Eric. Um, uh, and again, I want to echo what Chris is saying. Um, I'm glad that you're, that you are standing up for, for truth, that you're standing up for what God has commanded and, and, not being, as we've said before, not being a hypocrite and just rolling over to, to make other people happy. Um, so Eric, thank you for coming on. Sure. Thank you. Dan, I was you just going to say, uh, I, I know we could talk a, lo a long time about this thing, but, uh, did you have uh, Eric, did you have a, a response or anything? I, I thought I might've heard you talking when, uh, as Chris ended there, did you have something in mind? Cause I really only had one question left and, but you know, it is, it's, I just wish that, that the church could wake up. I wish the church could realize what we have. We got the hope of heaven. And it's not always easy to walk that path. It's not. I mean, we're, and, and to follow up with what I was trying to say when uh, that with Chris is, you know, we're so worried we're going to be a religious, labeled a religious fanatic. Well, you know, I've, been to a lot of different things over the years that I just you know talked about earlier different receptions and things and and I'm not one of these that I go oh no 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 I can't do that you know can't be there can't associate with that can't go because they're serving alcohol or what you know what I go and it doesn't change who I am or what I am and if we had Christians who could live up to that who would live that life and I'm no example I fall I mean I'm like everybody else I'm not perfect you know what I mean uh, I've, I, Romans 3.23 reminds me, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. I got my problems, my challenges. The point is, is that I try to get back up and keep on going. If every Christian would make that same commitment, I believe we could make a difference in the world. And it wouldn't be about the male show this big thing. We could mm -hmm. show about our love for people, all people, if the church would really strive to be what the church should be. So where do you where do you kind of see things going from here, or what next steps might you, you have in store? Um, that was really my my last question for you. Well, honestly, one of the things I've thought about is, uh, you know, there's a book in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, might be. Yes. You know, and it, it's uh, and and it could be a 
in a way, a teaching manual about how we need to stand up, stand up. We sing that song, stand up, stand up for Jesus, but we don't. Mm -hmm. And if it could encourage someone to do that, I got to tell you, one of the most exciting things happened to me last night. It was at 12.10 a.m. this morning, actually. My wife and I, she works for an elementary school. And so we, um, during the summer, we stay up late. You know, we're, we're, we we're don't have to get anywhere up early in the mornings, you know. So we stay up late and uh, read or watch TV or talk or whatever. And I get this text at midnight, 12, 10 a.m. And it is one of the kids who is in my Sunday morning high school class. And he has been at camp with uh, his cousins and his uncle. And uh, he decided to put the Lord on in baptism last night. And, that's awesome. Yeah. And that was, at the end of the day, that's what's important. Yeah. That's what's exciting. I mean, we, we, were, we were so excited for his family. We were so excited for him. And uh, if we could get back to those are the things that are important. Yeah. Those are the things, if a Christian really believed that, I think we can make a difference in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and, uh, and close this out here. You know, Eric, I, I again, you know, echo what Dylan said earlier and uh, what Dan has mentioned that we just we really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, we've we've talked quite a bit about uh, some of the different you know injustices and really, I think what we've ended up coming to the conclusion of is we need to stand up for Christ. And so for all of our listeners that that are standing up for Christ, because I know people that do. I know people that are uh, fervent in the faith. And for those of you that are, continue to do so more and more. Absolutely. Uh, for those of you that are struggling or, or, or finding it difficult to do so, I encourage you to, to stand up just once and, and see how it feels. See what it is to, to stand up for the truth of the gospel, for God, and find that you have nothing to worry about when you stand up for God because you've got the Lord on your side. And I think that's the, the bottom line here is no matter what's going on in this world, we've got to stand up for what's right. We've got to stand up for the truth. We've got to stand up for God. Uh, so Eric, again, thank you for being willing to do that. Uh, thank you for uh, sticking by the, the gospel and, and the, the God of heaven and earth. We are uh, grateful to you for that. And we're grateful for you coming on the, the, the podcast today. Uh, thanks. It was a pleasure to get to talk to you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. And I'll be thinking about a book title for you. you know? <laughs> Wiley, Texas. Can we play on the words or something? Wild Texas or sure. something? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll let we'll let Dan keep thinking about that. But um, <laughs> but uh, if you if you need to reach us or if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at KCOC Bible Conversations at gmail dot com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page titled Bible Conversations. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we ask very simply that you spread spread the news of this podcast to your friends, to your coworkers, to Christians, to those who are not in the faith. We, we ask that you spread this podcast to all those that you know and in the hopes that we can reach one, in the hopes that we can save one. We, uh, we love all of you, and until next time, have a wonderful day.